Good morning. Today is Thursday, October 1st, 2020. The climax of Yom Kippur is the words at the end of Ne'ilah, Hashem Hu Ho'elokim, God is the Lord. And we say that seven times out loud at the end of Ne'ilah. It is a crescendo of emotion, of spirituality, exhaustion, release, and it serves to orient the entire season. Everything that we've done, blowing shofar, proclaiming God as a king, repentance, confession, uh, uh, achieving atonement and forgiveness on Yom Kippur, all of that is just the intermediate step, the vehicle to lead to the actual goal, which is awareness of God. Hashem Hu Elokim. God is our Lord. That's the whole story. Everything we do as Jews leads to that conclusion. Hashem Hu Elokim. There is an irony in that phrase and in that moment at the end of Yom Kippur. The words, Hashem Hu Elokim, God is the Lord, those words are a quote from the Book of Kings, say from Malachim, and they are the climax of a very famous narrative in the Book of Kings concerning Elio Anavi, the prophet Elijah, famous narrative, the miracle that took place on Har Carmel, Mount Carmel. So, just to remind you of the story, <clears throat> the Jewish people in the northern part of Israel during that time were unfortunately, tragically, many of them were involved in idolatry. It was a terrible, terrible problem. And there was a showdown between the prophet Eliyahu on one side and the priests, the idolatrous priests on the other. And there was a showdown with the entire people gathered around watching as to who was right, which was correct, the idolatry or serving one God. And you remember Eli the prophet Elijah, Elio Anavi, had the idolatrous priests set up an altar and they were going to call out to their gods and their, God was, their gods were supposed to, to answer them and, and to respond in some supernatural way. And they prayed and they called out and nothing happened. And then in the afternoon, Eliyahu creates an altar, a mizbeach, an altar, and offers a, a carbon, a sacrifice to Hashem. And he prays to Hashem, a very simple prayer. He says, Master of the universe, this is the moment you have to show the entire people the truth, who is God, and then everyone will understand, and then we will just end this problem. We'll take care of this problem because everyone will see that you are responding to my prayer and you're receiving this sacrifice, and there is only one God. And sure enough, a fire comes down from heaven, consumes the offering the sacrifice and all of the people there see with their own eyes there is one God. There, the, I, I, the idolaters are false. 
and there is all, only one God. And everyone says these words, Hashem Hu Elohim. God is Lord. That's where the words come from. So it's a remarkable uh, uh, climax to a miraculous supernatural event that proves the truth and convinces everyone that idolatry is wrong, serving God is right. The book of Kings goes on in the next narrative to say that just a short time later, the people started to revert to idolatry. And it, it's impossible to understand. I mean, how is it that this large group together can witness such a dramatic, miraculous, supernatural event where they see with their own eyes the truth? excuse me, that there is only one God. How can you witness that and say out loud all together, Hashem Hu Elohim, and then a few days later go back, go back to idolatry? It, it just defies understanding. Nechama Leibowitz points out a very important truth. Dramatic, climactic events don't change people's lives. There's so many examples of this in every area of life. Just to give you one from the recent news, a few days ago was the one-year anniversary of the Montreal climate change rally. It was the largest rally in the history of Montreal. Worldwide coverage there were pledges that were made. There were promises that were made. And the reporting from a few days ago looked at what actually has changed since that rally. Very little. Large, dramatic, climactic events don't change anything until they are <coughs> excuse me until they are converted and institutionalized into daily life daily life routine one day after another same thing every day it's not dramatic it's not newsworthy but it is the only sphere of real change. Let me share the following insight from Rabbi J.J. Schachter. We're about to begin the holiday of Sukkos. It's one of the three festivals, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos. It's part of the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkos. Sukkos is different than the other holidays. Pesach commemorates a powerful miracle. The, the death of the firstborn, the exodus from Egypt, the splitting of the Red Sea, dramatic, immense, overwhelming miracles showing the power of God. Shavuos commemorates 
a dramatic, climactic event, God revealing himself at Mount Sinai. It never happened before. It will never happen again. God revealing himself to the entire Jewish people, speaking the words of the Ten Commandments, an amazing, overpowering, overwhelming event, never replicated in all of history. Sukkos, on the other hand, does not commemorate any dramatic event. The Torah says, we, we celebrate the holiday of Sukkos, because while the Jewish people were traveling through the desert, God had them dwell in tents. And therefore, we have that kind of a tent which is impermanent without a complete roof over it because that's how the Jewish people lived for the 40 years that they were traveling. There's no dramatic, there's no miracle, there's no dramatic event, there's no big, loud, public uh, um, uh, phenomenon. Just that's how they lived while they were in the desert. <clears throat> the fact that it is on a par with Pesach and Shavuos holds a deep, deep lesson. I shared this with some of you before. It's an incredible letter. <coughs> Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak Cook, who later, after this story that I'm going to tell you, became first Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Israel, his first position when he came to Israel in 1904 is he was the rabbi of Yafo, near Tel Aviv, near what would later be Tel Aviv. <coughs> He's a rabbi of Yafo. And he had a son, and he sent his son to a yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Okay. Today, it's a half hour to get from Yafo to Yerushalayim. Okay. At that time, it took longer, maybe a, a few hours, three, four, maybe, I don't know, to travel from Yafo to Yerushalayim, a few hours. But, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's in the same country. It's in, in the same part of the world. Okay. We have a letter that Rabbi Cook sent to his son while he was away studying in yeshiva. So let me read part of it to you. It's in Hebrew. I'll translate it. He says, My dear son, please send your mother and me a letter and let us know how you're doing. But we want to know every detail because you will not be able to uh, appreciate how much we value knowing every single detail of what is going on in your life. And I mean literally, he writes, from the time that you wake up until the time that you go to sleep. For example, what time do you eat breakfast in the morning? What time do you have lunch? What time do you have dinner? What time do you go to sleep? What time do you get up in the morning? Which room are you in? 
What's the view out of your window? How far is your bed from the window? Do you have a good, are you close to the window? Or are you far from the window? Because, you know, we worry. In Yerushalayim, it gets cold at night. So we're worried if you're too close to the window, maybe at night you're going to get cold. Maybe you should move your bed a little bit further away. Here in Yafo, it stays warm all the time, but in Yerushalayim, it gets cold. That's the letter. It is just an, a, a deep sense of love that he's not asking for anything dramatic. Did you become a new person? Have you decided what you're going to do with your life? Okay, those are, those are important questions, but, but what time is breakfast? It's a sign of such love that the ongoing daily routine is, is important. I want to know. I want to be able to picture, I want to be able to visualize what you're doing so that I can maintain this connection while we're separated. It is precisely that type of ordinary, mundane information that is our true closeness to God. Yes, the highlights are important. Pesach, the miracles, Shavuos, the miracles, Yom Kippur, the excitement and the drama, Hashem Hu yes, that's all very, very important. But that doesn't change anything in life. What changes something in life is when it is institutionalized and concretized into regular life so that I care about what's happening every single day, not just when a miracle happens, because when's the next time a miracle is going to happen? I care about every single day. <coughs> I've shared this before. We all know the famous statement of Rabbi Akiva, you shall love your fellow as yourself. That's the big, main, fundamental, underlying truth of the entire Torah. Everything else is commentary. Okay, fine. That's the dramatic, famous statement on which the entire Torah is based. It's not as well known that Rabbi Akiva's opinion is not the only opinion to answer that question. What is the main organizing principle of the entire Torah on which everything else rests. There's another opinion quoted among our rabbis. Another opinion says, the fact in, in the beginning of Bereshus, when God, when, when God creates human beings in God's image, the fact that every single human being is created in God's image, that is the underlying fundamental principle of the entire Torah. That's a second opinion. There's a third opinion. When the temple is standing, in the morning, every single morning, you offer this sacrifice. And in the afternoon, every afternoon, you offer this sacrifice. It's called the Karban Tamid, the continual offering, the daily offering. Every single day, the same thing. Every single day, the same worship. Every single day, the same service of God. It's not the dramatic highlight of going into the Holy of Holies and, uh, you know, the other dramatic moments during the year. It's the every day. What happens on a routine basis? That is where change takes place. And that is the holiday of Sukkos. Sukkos is not about a miracle. 
It's not about an excitement. It's not about a dramatic event. The Torah says, Basukos teshvu shivas yamim. In a sukkah teshvu, you should dwell for seven days. The holiday of Sukkos is about dwelling. It's about living. It's about being with God. It's about pointing a lulav and esrog in every direction, indicating that God is all around us. It's about sitting in a sukkah where we're, we are enveloped in God's presence. It's about being. There is no climax to sukkahs. It's about living with God. It's about being with God. And this is how we incorporate the drama of Pesach and Shavuos and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur into the rest of our lives to make change. It happens through Sukkos. It happens through living, through dwelling, through being. That's why Sukkos is so different from all of the other holidays because it is what allows us to take the dramatic and to make it part of our lives. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.